1: January 17th, the year is 2020. You're listening to The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Huckabee, here in Nashville, Tennessee. Meanwhile, my eternal foe, trying to make sure we go off the rails each and every time, is uh, is our illustrious producer, Chandler Strang. Hello. And meanwhile, up there in Loveland, Virginia, bringing a sense of law and order and sophistication (laughs) to the proceedings, it is our friend Jesse Carey.
0: Hello, hello, tip of the hat to you all. A very classy (laughs) Friday to you. listeners (laughs) (laughs)
1: and uh, oh this is gonna be
0: fun today we
1: are we are i'm excited to welcome to the podcast someone we've been trying to get on here for a little while uh you know him through his books you may know him through his music you may have seen him speak i'm pleased to welcome carlos Whitaker to the podcast hey carlos
2: guys i'm so glad to be hanging out with you guys virtually uh across the screen this is fun it's gonna be a blast
1: so, Carlos, we we were we started to get into this before we were recording, and uh, and then we decided yeah. this this is prime podcast content. That's, this yeah, is oh, yeah. what we'll people come to the podcast for. I'm looking at for, from uh, we can see you. We're, we're on we're on a Skype call right now, yeah, and so you look, look to be in some sort of. My first thought was doctor's office. I hope
3: you're not. I hope you're not waiting for like <laughs> test results or
0: something while you're recording a podcast. You know what today. I, had, I had? I had he just got it. He just had a teeth cleaning. That looks like, like oh, oh, the dental yeah. is about to walk in.
2: No, I, definitely, I definitely. This is. There's. We've got over my left shoulder. We've got um, some sort of a, like a um, American Pilgrim yeah. painting happening yeah. there yeah. in like a wood frame. Um, I'm actually no. I'm in a. Uh, I'm actually in a corporate office. I don't even know what kind of office. I'm speaking at a corporate event in Tupelo, Mississippi, uh, which is, which is why I'm wearing a button up shirt right now. I feel very overdressed for the podcast, Um, but this is, guys, this is corporate Carlos that you're seeing right now. He only pops up like once a month and you guys, uh, you guys, you guys get him. Well, I feel like,
1: I feel like we, we finally went too far after uh, we finally pushed it too far. And the relevant suits sent someone down here to monitor us for one podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah. our performance I, feel like I feel like there's an attorney on the line right now making sure we don't say anything libelous and I was you, close. you and I were talking before we got rolling I, I was saying I would all be very intimidated to do a corporate event you look you're you're a seasoned pro but I think I would just get up there and go like this business finances, bearer <laughs> bonds. Anyone knows what these words mean? <laughs> no, seriously, I need yeah, some funny. help up here. We're going to do a little Q and <laughs> where I ask you the questions.
2: So what's a bearer bond? Listen, listen, like corporate event, Carlos is still relatively new. Like I'm still surprised every time like corporate people ask me to come do things. Now I'll take it because they pay a hundred times more than churches do. So like every time a corporate event comes, I'm like, I'm like, I will do one of those for every 15 churches. But I get up there. I think they think, you know, cause I'm not teaching them anything that you know I'm just I'm, I'm kind of like the really inexpensive Mexican Tony Robbins like, like that's
3: like what I am like I'm, I'm
2: hyping them up like I'm making them laugh I'm making them cry you know I'm making them feel things so uh yeah I think I, w-
0: I would get very ner- I would be sweating profusely and I'd be like uh, alright I just said I'm gonna start naming more business terms as soon as I show you this magic trick bum, 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 bum. and then I'm like oh man so I don't really know any good magic tricks, so... <laughs> right, right.
2: <laughs> well, oh my
0: we'll tell, I got a couple more questions for Carlos, but why don't you tell the yeah. listeners who else is on the yeah, show? Yeah, we'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get into
1: this more, Carlos, but we do want to give you a little tease about what else is coming up on the podcast. Oh, this is going to be great. We're talking to uh, t- to Elizabeth Melendez Fisher Good. She's, she's a wonderful anti-sex trafficking advocate. She wrote a new book called Groomed, Overcoming the Messages that Shaped Our Past and Limit Our Future. Uh, really excited to hear about Jesse uh,
0: Jesse, you had that conversation with her I think is that right oh, incredible conversation did, did people uh, because she also incorporates these really powerful spiritual principles into her work that I think uh, no matter you know what your interests or, or backgrounds are you're gonna get a lot out of this conversation yeah, really yeah, good.
1: really 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 cool and that's not all it's Friday we're also talking to David Gunger of the brilliance we got a new music preview the brilliance has a new album out it's a collection of songs called world keeps spinning we'll play play a few clips from that album and hear a little bit from David about all of that. Um now Carlos well, well we're kind yes. of in the you're 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 button up notwithstanding the doctor's office <laughs> aside, <laughs> we really we we really are in the presence of a of of a I don't want to say a celebrity, but but a man a man of notoriety. Yes, you're, yeah. you're, you're a, a, speaker, a gentleman of note. Yeah. A, a, a business <laughs> Thanks, expert, as we learned today. A, a <laughs> financial wizard. Uh, yeah. you're kind of I think you first <laughs> I first learned about you via you're like you're like a you're like a viral video star. Yeah, that yeah, was my yeah, that, that was my introduction. And that was before I even knew who you were. I just I came across your your work on social media. And I was jealous. Right. Everybody wants to be the guy. <laughs> but you were the, you really did it.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, no, we, uh, you know, n- nothing like nothing like um, letting people know how important you are by having a video go viral. And suddenly, suddenly people are just having you on their shows. We were on good morning America. We were on all the shows just because my kid was singing single ladies in the back of the car. And I told my son that he was not a single lady and he burst into tears. And then then it was crazy. It was like, it was, we were like the next week we were on good morning America. We were on today's show. We were on the Ellen show. We were on Jimmy Kimmel. Show. We were like on all the shows. Then we ended up winning a people's choice award For viral video of the year, like Queen Queen Latifah handed me a crystal trophy
3: (laughs) (laughs) for making my son cry. And so like,
2: you know, and and so as fun as that was, I'm like, I'm like, nobody's going to take me freaking seriously. Like that was when I was doing music and I was trying and suddenly like I'm the dad that made his kid cry. And you know what? At the end, of, at the end of that, I mean, this was a long, this was like 2011. Yeah. I just said, you know what? I'm going to embrace this. I'm just, I'm going to be the fun dad. And I kind of jumped into that world and it's, it's been, it's been a blast. So
0: well you have you have a, you have a couple you're you're an accomplished author you have Moment Maker Kill the Spider and Getting Ready This the Summer Interwild but I want to yeah. talk about Interwild which people can our listeners can pre-order but before I do yeah. I have one question regarding the 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 experience that started in 2011 when you're meeting all these yeah. out of out of Ellen Jimmy Kimmel, uh, 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 the, the Today, uh, Good Morning America crew, all the people that you got yeah. to meet. Who were you most surprised at what they act like when the cameras were off, either good or bad? You can oh, spill yeah. the tea here. I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: They all listen, <laughs> no. so be careful. They're faithful listeners. Yeah, they're all listening. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so on the Today Show... Um, first of all, like Matt Lauer loved us. Okay. So yeah. I don't know if it's too soon to say that, like, like yeah. on, you know, on, but, 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 but who was it? his co or Her name was Ann. Um, oh, oh my yeah. gosh. Curry. Ann Curry. She got replaced. Yes. Ann Curry. Yeah. She was so mean to me. I just, what? I just what? what Ann Curry was, was mean? She seems very yes. nice. No, listen, I just remember like being like gutted because like the interview is going great and like, they're like, Oh, this is so fun. And then, the, and then it goes, the camera turned off and she's like, I can't believe that you were recording your kid while you were driving in the car. That was so... No, <laughs> no. She, wow. lectured. She, oh, she lectured me and I was starting crying. I'm like, oh my God, I've loved you forever. <laughs> like I had a crush on you in junior high. What? Wow. Uh, you hate me. Oh, it was, it was awful. I wasn't expecting that expecting, level of tea.
1: I, I thought you might say something like, oh, I don't know. You know, Jimmy Kimmel is... Uh, Oh. As a, as slums, but no, you're out here no, you're ready. You're trying to get Ann Curry fired. You're going
2: to get her canceled. <laughs> no, she's, yeah, she's, a, she's not on the show anymore. She's a powerful woman. No, I think she's already canceled.
0: Yeah. All right. So Carlos, I've always, we've had, uh, we've talked to some people in the past who've had experiences with Ellen. We've had, uh, Rob Fee is a good buddy of ours. She used to be a writer for Ellen. What was your experience meeting Ellen? Is she like one of the coolest people in the
2: world? Just so nice. Just, just so nice. And, and, uh, um, literally to this day, probably one of my favorite human beings and not, 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 not really anything she even said to me in that moment, just yeah. watching her uh, since then, she is just, you know, Oh my, she just is as incredible as you would imagine. She is.
0: Yeah. That's, that's good to hear. Every yeah. time I watch Ellen, like when she was honored at like the golden globes the other night, like I was like, huh, Oh Ellen, my Ellen's, gosh. is fantastic. She's just great. You know, yeah. like she, Ellen, like she gives she me hope for the yeah. world. You know, like oh, Ellen's out there. You know, she's pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've also.
1: Can you tell us a little bit about? Uh, can we get into a little bit of uh, of interwild, Carlos? Yeah, man. Can you tell me about like it's? I know it's not available yet, but what? Where the? What was? What's like the book's origin story? Where Where was the like? This is this is the thing.
2: Yeah. So you know, uh, my my last book was called Kill the Spider, and it's you know um it, it's kind of like it's not like a it's not like you have to read Kill the Spider in order to read Enter Wild, but the, the book Kill the Spider is helping people kill their spiders. And, and I define a spider as an agreement you've made with a lie. And then a cobweb is a medicating behavior that brings comfort to the lie. So, most people clean the cobwebs and I'm trying to help you kill the spider. So, um, after people killed the spider, I kept getting emails from people saying, well, I, I the spider keeps coming back to life. The you know I, I keep finding myself you know, in these same behaviors. And I, I realized that you know, just behavior modification isn't gonna be isn't isn't gonna be the thing that most people um, are gonna find kind of lasting freedom from. And so for me, Enter Wild. Um, the subtitle is "Exchange a mild and mundane faith for life with an uncontainable God." Um, I have I've kind of left the land of sin management and entered stepped off into the, into the land of kind of miracle signs and wonders. And so for anyone hearing this, like I, I was born and raised Southern Baptist, like conservative, and it's only been in like the last three years that I've begun to really experience um, the presence of God in a really wild way. And Hmm. in a way that maybe the disciples, when he was talking to them uh, during the great commission, uh, all the things he said to them that they were going to uh, experience. I just thought, well, is this stuff really true? Like, I mean, listen, I was 40 years old and I'd never spoken in tongues. I'd never done any of those things and I was I was just very cautious about that world and we stepped into a church it, in Nashville, Tennessee about 5 years ago that really changed everything for me when it came to the Holy Spirit and it came to And so the book what it what the book does enter wild it it's split up into three sections enter rest, enter war and enter wild. And I tell people, it's kind of like me taking my Christian conservative friends, who I have much love for, walking them through the wardrobe, letting them peek into Narnia and have them go, well, this is crazy. And then say, we can either go back into the wardrobe if you want, which is totally fine, or you can step all the way into Kind of miracle signs and wonder narnia land with me and i feel like i've been set up in a position just because of where i've worked at um and like a bunch of conservative churches where people trust me a little bit more than they do maybe some of the crazy charismatics <laughs> and so like i'm i'm like the i'm like the gateway drug charismatic guy like, uh-huh. like i'm like the guy that that i can get all my again all my all my friends that maybe aren't into this thing they trust me enough to go okay well i trust Carlos maybe Carlos can, can show me around this space in a way that's going to be comfortable. That's not going to be demeaning That's he's not going to tell me this is the only way. Um, and so, yeah, that's what the book is, man. Just helping people experience the wild side of God that maybe um, they've just been in a really mundane and mild season of their faith.
0: Yeah. that That's such an interesting topic. And, uh, you know, I came, so I went to like Oral Roberts University, which is super uh, right. It's like it is it is a very charismatic place. And all yeah. of those things you described are are not uncommon to transpire on campus at any given moment. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I kind of grew up in that world. But I also know people from uh, backgrounds who are a bit more uh, conservative theologically and that, you know, approach that world with real trepidation, which I totally understand. How skeptical was your initial approach to the world of sort of uh, these more, uh, like charismatic type of, uh, ministry activities?
2: Yeah. Skeptical would be just a kind word, honestly, compared to what I, what I felt towards this world. Um, I had only had one experience before and, you know, it's, it's actually in the book where, you know, I went to some sort of healing service somewhere and they, they Patted me on the head and i didn't fall down and they pushed me harder and i didn't fall down and then they basically <laughs> all but like de- me. Oh, you're supposed to be ball. slain dude <laughs> yeah. it's a simple <laughs> oh, like, yeah,
0: right, you don't see the- catchers we got catchers John, and modesty blankets John out here what do you winter. think is supposed to
2: happen Yeah. <laughs> and so like i just remember like going like what in the world this is crazy right and so that just turned me off. I was like in seventh grade and, um, and I just, I was, I was against any of that kind of stuff. I'm like, you know what? Like my faith is fine. Like I love Jesus. He loves me. I'm yeah. going to go to heaven when I die. And yeah. man, I think what, what, where I finally got to honestly was, was a space or I was dealing with in a big, the big story arc in the book is my anxiety and depression that I've been really vulnerable with online the last decade. People have known that I've struggled with this forever. And then, um, about two and a half years ago, it, it got so bad that I, I started thinking to myself and John 10, 10 is the verse I go into where it says that, you know, a thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. I've come, then you have life and have it to the full. Right. And so I or, and have it in abundance. And, and there's a lot of charismatic circles that'll take that and mean like, like it's going to rain. Like you're going to have, be driving up Benz. It's going to, everything's going to be beautiful. Um, and so I finally got to the space where I thought, well, I don't think I'm living life to the full. I don't think I'm living with this abundance that, um, that people talk about and that I, I see in scripture. So I ended up going to this, this old man named John. Uh, I almost said his last name. I can't give his last name, but he lives in Nashville and he's, he's what they call a inner healing prayer minister. Right. And I was mm. like, Oh, somebody told me to go to this guy. I'm like, what is going to happen in this, if mm-hmm. this guy's space? like what inside me, it's inner healing. What does that mean? And guys, like I, in the book, I take you on my journey in his study, um, about three weeks of work that I did with this guy where Um, I was living at about 60%, I'd say 60% abundance before I went in there Mm. and the Holy spirit, um, through John, through the work that we were done in there through a lot of inner healing prayer. I I actually can now say that I'm like completely healed of my anxiety, completely healed of my depression. Like I don't take medicine anymore. It's been two and a half years. I'm not saying people need to stop taking medicine. I'm a big, big believer in medicine, big believer in therapy. I'm just saying that when I finally saw like full healing in me. I'm like holy crap like there is more available to me than than I than I thought was available to mm, me yeah. and really all I'm trying to help people get to is realize that you know so many people that have been suffering for so long with whatever it may be kind of make deals with God like we're like god if if I can just get 60% better then 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 I'll just kind of live here at 60% until I get to heaven where I'm promised to get 100% better yeah. and I'm just saying well, why not pray for the hundred here? Like, like, why not, you know, we may not get it here, but why not at least give it a shot? And when I gave it a shot, I found it. And so when I, when I found it, and now I just want to, you know, that's kind of going to kind of be the next season for me is letting people know that a hundred percent is available on this side of heaven. If, you know, if that, if it happens, if it doesn't happen, that's totally fine too. We can get that healing in heaven. But you know, my, my daughter was just in the hospital for 21 days in November and, And, um, we didn't, the doctors didn't know what was wrong with her for 21 days. And people on the internet and on Instagram were really uncomfortable with me doing things like, like I was declaring healing over my daughter. Um, and they're like, well, like, how do you know it's God's will? Yeah. We get into that question. How do you know it's God's will that your daughter be healed? And I'm like, well, is it God's will that my daughter is sick? I, I just Mm -hmm. don't think it is. Right. So why don't we just go ahead and, and declare the promises of scripture over her. Um, and you know, and we'll see what happens, you know? And, um, yeah, so I, I just think that I'm, I've am i been set up in a position where I've got a, a lot of people that I worked with when I was at North Point in Atlanta and a lot of very conservative churches that are looking at me, watching this transition in my life over the last season going, man, you're just a lot more charismatic than you used to be. Can you can you explain? It makes me a little uncomfortable, but I kind of like it. Like, what's going on? Uh, and so, yeah, that's really that's really where the book is taking people. Well,
0: I am what a great story. I am officially intrigued. Yeah, 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 for sure. It's definitely it's cool because I feel like it, there's an appeal there for people who are already kind of consider themselves sort of charismatic, or maybe someone who's yeah. more like you at the beginning of the journey. That's like I don't yeah. I don't understand this world. Let's dip the toe. Well, it's in a while, and it comes out in June, right? But people can pre order now.
2: Yeah, you can pre order now. So get on there. It's um I'm ex- I'm excited. There'll be tons of stuff going around it when when we launch the book. But uh, um yeah, if they go to um, Amazon, you can pre order it right now. All right. Awesome. Cool. Well,
0: well, <laughs> you
1: heard, yeah, you heard you the You're wild. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to the Hot so list. Old, you're the holy book I can lay my hands on. You're the holy Listening to Frida by Jamila Woods. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Little Things by Ali X. All right, time for our weekly look back at the week in faith and culture. It's time for.
3: It's the hot list,
0: the hot list. It's sizzling. Number five this week. Uh, real quick, Tyler, before we jump into the hot list. Charlie, oh, yeah. Before we jump in the hot list, I've been working on some of my corporate speech uh, during oh, yeah. the music yeah, yeah, Coral, so let, me, let okay. me help you. You're welcome. You're welcome to these. Okay. You just go yeah, up there.
2: I've got to do this talking like an hour. Uh, okay. So can I just yeah. steal this stuff?
0: Please do. You just go okay. up to the mic and you go, Equity. Buygold.com. Credit cards. Bullion coins found in a pirate chest at the bottom of the Caribbean. What do these things have in common? That's your assignment, folks. That is your assignment. Then you slowly walk back, cross your arms, and sit on the stool and stare judgingly out on the crowd. you do that for the next 25 minutes. And then you just slowly walk away. I think... People. Wow. Wow. It's, it's going to be, quite <laughs> that was, cool. that was powerful. So, that's a free one. That's a free one. That, yeah. That
2: is. Yeah. 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 I think, I think all of these, um, Oh, who are these people that I'm listening, that I'm talking to I don't see. I don't even know like the, the kind of people I'm talking to today. They're They're Oh, they're, um, economic developers. So I don't know if <laughs> yeah, you sure. can Google that for me and help oh. me figure out who the people are. Oh, because I think everything yeah. you just said is going to fit perfect.
1: That's a fixed uh, <laughs> Jesse. I've, I'm I'm meditating on that for just a minute here, Jesse. You give me a lot to think about. The hot list feels <laughs> kind yeah, of silly. Yeah. It feels kind of trivial after all that. I know.
0: After I I, I I would ju- I, and I would say. And I would be like, real talk, guys. You guys are economic developers. I've been presented with a few <laughs> investment opportunities. You guys tell me there which one you think I should go with. One essential oils. <laughs> Two. A, an old collection of pogs, which I feel I like could make a comeback, or, you know, some comic books. These are all serious investment opportunities, and you, can, you eggheads, tell me which one I need to do here, because I got some monies that needs to be moved. If you know right. what I mean. And I like my assets. Oh, I like my assets very hard. I like them in product form. So you yeah, tell me. Show, hands, hands, tell me nerds. show <laughs> of hands, Pogs out there. Just, uh, <laughs> let's go. We'll determine by applause. we will a couple we'll by out there in their pocket. Listen, yes. I, I lost my shirt on a Beanie Baby venture. So <laughs> don't leave me wrong here. <laughs> <laughs> Still paying that one down. <laughs> That's right. The opportunity, man. You got to (laughs)
1: this. Okay, coming to number five this week Lauren Daigle performed the national anthem at the college national championship, where heroes are made. Uh the College National Football Championships game was held in Louisiana, and they found the perfect artist to open the game. The first daughter of Louisiana, Lauren Daigle, was there on hand. Jesse, did you see this one live, Carlos? Did you see this one happen live or are you just hearing about it now?
2: I I saw it live. You you bought you yeah. in real time. In real time. Well, the beauty of
0: this too is Lauren Daigle is an LSU alumni. She actually yeah. went to LSU, and spoiler oh, alert wow. in case you didn't see LSU beat Clemson. Yeah. 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 yeah so she walked out a champ yeah I, and listen uh, well, you know let's hear a clip first and then okay, i have a one piece of commentary all
2: right okay. all right
1: Here, here's a clip of the national anthem uh, a song this is a cover lauren daigle didn't write this one the cover of the national anthem <laughs> <by Lauren> Daigle. <laughs> hey!
0: She, as All you right. can hear, she did an incredible job. We're, we're big Lauren Daigle fans. She can sing. Right? Yeah. Right? she can sing. She can sing. We've got that. Yeah. So, so for people that uh, you know that aren't don't follow don't follow college football, the national championship game was between LSU and Clemson, and just how everything shook out it ended up being hosted in the Superdome in New Orleans, which is in Louisiana. <laughs> right. So it already gave. <laughs> yeah. It already gave LSU sort of an unfair home field advantage. advantage but my yeah. question is, don't you feel like having a notable LSU alumni perform the, nas- <laughs> the national anthem before the game? Don't you feel like that's kind of like In another dan- like if you're a Clemson fan, are you like, what the heck? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, why, we, you had to you could find any singer you wanted. To do this. It's a national championship. Anyone would have said yes. And you had to pick an LSU fan? That's not she was wearing LSU gear before and after the performance. That does not seem fair to me. Yeah. Lauren, I think I think this is a che- college cheating scandal. And I'm sorry to have to call you out like this, but I just don't know if this whole thing is fair.
2: <laughs> Let, we, we need to strip LSU of their championship. I, I, I think, I think that's, that's it. Start over. Play the rules game over. Rules. Yeah, that, that's can't rules be are rules. <laughs> that can't be fair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah never, exactly. Rules it's, are rules. Yeah. Well, one thing I do want to say what, one thing, one thing. Oh yeah. Sure. When, um, um, so, so like my son, he's 13 years old. He doesn't know who Lauren Diggle is. Um, but he does. Yeah. She leads worship at my church. And so she goes, she's out there singing. She's like, hey, Dad, isn't that the girl that sings in our church? It's <laughs> so hilarious. That was like who he was to her. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah that was, that was her. that's her.
0: And, then, and then, oh, he goes, then he goes, wait a minute, Dad. Didn't she go to LSU? This isn't fair. <laughs> that, that, that's not fair. This is rigged. This whole thing is rigged yeah, from the bottom. Yeah. Oh man!
1: <laughs> Number four this week. Ooh, this is a this is a this is a spicy one. So well, this is a meaty one oh, here. Bu- buckle up, fellas! All right, here we go. Number four this week. Liberty University's Falkirk Center has sort of a concerning mission statement. All right. This came out yesterday and uh, and Jesse, you and I talked about this a little bit. Carlos, I'll be interested to get your thoughts as well. So yeah, Liberty University has launched a think tank called the Falkirk Center. It's a partnership between Liberty President Jerry Falwell Jr. and Charlie Kirk who's the young founder of the conservative nonprofit Turning Point USA. As the, uh, the first announcement a few weeks ago, the details were a little sparse. But in an interview with Fox News, the duo said that the idea is, quote, to provide basic education to the public on American history because so many universities have become liberal indoctrination camps. The public schools <laughs> have not taught U.S. history in so long. Um, so now... On the organization's official website, they've released an extremely concerning mission statement that appears to call some Christian principles into question. Comparing okay. their mission to that of William Wallace, the, uh, the the Braveheart guy. Oh, the Braveheart guy. Yeah, yeah. That's what they're doing yeah, here. Yeah. The site says... And mean, this hey, is, listen. This, if you're going to go bold, yeah, go bold. Yeah. Go for yeah, yeah. Go yeah, go yeah. William yeah, Wallace. Go for the, the extremely you know? unproblematic <laughs> Mel Gibson character Braveheart. <laughs> um, okay, so, there, so this is a quote from their website that caught, that caught me and Jesse's eye and it did make the rounds yesterday a little bit. And this is what I'll read it in full. It says, bemoaning the rise of leftism is no longer enough and turning the other cheek and our personal relationships with our neighbors as Jesus taught while abdicating our responsibilities on the cultural battlefield is no longer sufficient. Okay? Oh. I'm going to read that again because I think the full quote is, it's kind of long and I think it's important. Bemoaning the rise of leftism is no longer enough. And turning the other cheek in our personal relationships with our neighbors, as Jesus taught, while abdicating our responsibilities on the cultural battlefield, is no longer sufficient. They go on to describe the Falkirk Center as a think tank dedicated to restoring and defending American ideals and Judeo-Christian values in all aspects of life. Okay. Okay. So, Jesse, you, you wrote at length about this on RelevantMagazine.com <laughs> yes, yesterday. I did. You had some I did. you had some I, I found that that uh that quote and I passed it along to you, and like 20 minutes later, you, yeah. you came
0: out with a barn burner. Wow, got a boy, Jesse. Uh, so all right. So let let's for us uh, like I feel like there's a ton we could unpack in a lot of directions where sure. this discussion can go. But I you know, I feel like it's not all that surprising that at Liberty and someone like Jerry Falwell, who is very vocal about his political opinions would start a think tank that, you know, advocates for conservative causes, you know, like that, that isn't all that surprising. Like, you know, people might have a lot of opinions about that, but I think what really was, you know, one of the more concerning developments was that single quote that you read, Tyler, Mm -hmm. that... Uh, You know, a lot of people were sharing that quote that ends with the phrase is no longer sufficient and it references some of Christ's teachings was what was concerning to people. Now, people started sharing that quote on Twitter, Tyler, including from your personal account. I saw that you tweeted something and the Falkirk Center itself started replying to people, essentially saying that everyone was misreading the quote. Now, they yes. were saying that they not they aren't saying that we should no longer turn the other cheek in our personal relationships like Jesus taught. They said we shouldn't do that while also, you know, it's very awkwardly worded. And I kind of feel it's more on the writers of this statement instead of the, <laughs> yes. the all of the people who happen to be misreading it, you know. Uh, but they said we should still continue uh, to turn our other cheek in our personal relationships. But... We should not, uh, uh, you know, no, not uh, engage with cultural issues which is fine but it leads a lot to the reader's interpretation for instance like why even conflate the two why even say hey by the way i guess we should still worry about this turn the other cheek thing except when it comes to the cultural battlefield we should be like william Mm. William wallace out there and it's like well what is the (laughs) limits of turning the other cheek here because i mean Uh that's basically what they're saying it's like so if i have a personal interaction i should I should turn the other cheek and I should act in in a certain way that you know, if you read into it probably is the way of the you know uh, the spiritual fruits, goodness, kindness, self control, you know, but they but what they're saying is when it comes to cultural issues, it's different and and I feel like that's where this whole thing gets very dangerous because that's where we've seen political rhetoric. That you see on Twitter every day, starting at the highest office in the country, it, it doesn't it doesn't mirror any of those values. Goodness, kindness, self-control. A- yeah. And that to me is what is so concerning here is they're saying we can kind of have our cake and eat it, too. I can say, hey, be nice to your neighbor. But when it comes to cultural issues, let's take the gloves off. The gloves that's are off. That's kind of how yeah. I read it. and th- yeah. And that's why I feel like it was kind of concerning. Carlos, hearing this statement, hearing kind of their mission, what are your thoughts, particularly as it pertains to this this kind of problematic mission
2: statement? Well, you know, I I, I, again, like I almost gosh, I I just wish that universities, whether it be a Christian liberal university or a Christian conservative university, I I feel like it may be time to just kind of cut the the Christian part out. Just say I'm a we're a conservative university because I feel like that's a great mission statement. Once you take out, if you're, if you're like all about conservative think tanks, but you just have, you have to take off the, the Jesus part, you like, like, like take that part off and it's suddenly an you, yeah. you, you've got yourself a great conservative, um, William Wallace, let, let's go, let's, let's get a think tank. Let's, let's not groan at the left agenda. Like, let, but the second you put anything about turning a tick or anything about Jesus at all, like. It just messes everything up. And I think that's the biggest problem that, um, that, that university is having right now with with things like this and statements like this, you've got to, it's the cake and eat it too. It's like, listen, if you want to be a conservative think tank and you want to, you know, fill minds and and grow those ideals, go for it. Like a hundred percent be that, Mm -hmm. but you can't be that and try to like cram, cram Jesus in, and and a statement Jesus has made just for the sake of well now I'm going to appease this Christ, the christian side of who we're supposed yeah. to be does that make sense
1: I think that's a really great yeah, totally. way to put it. It's a dangerous
0: the, conflation. Yeah. It's
1: a dangerous yeah. conflation. It's one I think we were all kind of raised with and have seen a lot. And and it happens. I don't mean to excuse. Uh, I don't want to turn this into like just bashing the Republican Party. Obviously, Democrats have tried to recruit. Everybody oh. tries, Everybody wants Jesus on their side. You know, Yeah. whether it's politics, yeah. <laughs> social issues, the sports teams, everybody's trying to get, make sure that... We'll, we'll, they'll find their Bible verse and say, you know, if God is for us, who can be against us? But it gets really dangerous in avenues like this. And it's it, it raises a lot of questions about uh, Charlie Kirk and Jerry Falwell's own co- con- conduct online, which has often been very... Uh, uh, non-cheek what's a, what's, turning. What's a polite way to say? It? Yeah, non-cheek turning. Yeah, yeah. are you going to tell I mean, me that Falwell when they will
0: call someone losers? Yeah,
1: yeah, he <laughs> called him. Lo- he called he called uh uh doc- Dr. Moore. Uh, he referred to him as a as like just a businessman or a bureaucrat a while back. Was that was that yeah. cultural engagement? then? Yeah. Or was that like, was this a, one of those things where turning the other cheek doesn't count anymore? Or when he had that joke about threatening to shoot AOC if she stole his cows? In the extremely unlikely situation yeah. that that ever became an issue that doesn't <laughs> seem like <laughs> doesn't seem like uh, turning the other cheek. So I, I just feel like, Carlos, you're 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 saying they want to have their cake and eat it too feels like a really good summation of what's going on here.
2: Yeah. Choose one or the other choose one or, or the other, don't try to just smash these things together because it is, it's not going to work. And every time you do, there's going to be, there's going to be, these conversations are going to be happening. So if they were to just cut that off at the end of the day, like do it, like, I bet they're going to do an amazing job at, at, at filling minds and think think tanking or whatever it is that that they're going to be doing with, with those thoughts, just don't try to like shove in Jesus in order to, to appease, um, maybe the the Christian side of mm-hmm. of whatever label you you have to kind of label yourself because you're a christian university so yeah
0: yep, yeah. yep
1: I and,
2: agree. and this isn't
0: the first and and this isn't the first instance of intellectual dishonesty when it comes to their promotion of the Falkirk Center, which, you know, uh, you know, that's right. Yeah. You wrote about that a while back. Yeah. Initially, I mean, Falwell has a way of presenting that. And I think this is the other thing concerning thing about this as like a think tank is they, there doesn't seem to be like genuine, and, and again, maybe, maybe this will change because it's a new thing, but genuine good faith efforts to um, engage with different ideas, it's sort of these, you know... Fear mongering, you know, liberal indoctrination camps. It's like, what does that even mean? Like, that's not fair. Like, like, if you want to have an eye talk about politics or, you know, whether you, you lean right or left on social issues, that's fine. Let's 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 have that conversation like that. That's, you know, let's get some intellectuals here and let's, you know, let's chop it up. Let's, let's have the talks, but, but who's going to like, who's going to want to go when, you know, the, 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 you know, the insinuation is, well, if I lean a little left on things, I don't have Judeo Christian values. Like, you know, you're not on the Jesus side. It's like, ah, I just don't know about the whole approach. And I think this is like a red flag for, you know, what, what could be in store. But anyway, yeah, people can read more about it and see the reactions on, on Twitter. Yeah. Uh,
1: number three this week and even more if you thought that was controversial then, then we're not we we, we have even gotten started carlos, carlos i'm interested you. in your in. in your i do it
0: because i saw no. on twitter you had some you had some thoughts i, I already saw oh okay oh, oh, i don't uh, even know what, i don't know what
2: your thoughts are about uh, this one carlos
0: all
1: right you no know one's th- allowed
2: to get, to read my twitter i need to delete my twitter it gets me so much too late now
1: Too late now. You're you're in it. You signed up. (laughs) (laughs) They, you're they. The the business guys out there may be sending somebody in to cancel your speech. They,
2: (laughs) (laughs) people in Mississippi (laughs) is canceling me (laughs) as I speak right now. (laughs)
1: All right. Number three this week, Joker led the way in Oscar nominations, while once again, females and people of color were overlooked. Okay. So few could have predicted that Todd Phillips, the guy behind the Hangover movies, would churn out a gritty DC Comics movie anchored by a terrific Joaquin Phoenix performance. And fewer still could have predicted that Joker would come out on top of the Oscar game with 11 noms, including Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor for Phoenix, Best Actor. Editing, Best Cinematography. That's pretty wild, considering what didn't get nominated this year. Oscar-darling film studio A24 was largely shut out, except for a single cinematography nomination for The Lighthouse. Its uncut Gems, which was expected to net the first ever nomination for Adam Sandler, was snubbed altogether. Also snubbed The Farewell, Lulu Wang's exquisite meditation on Family and Loss, starring Aquafina. In fact, no women at all were nominated for Best Director, prompting announcer Issa Rae to point out jabbed congratulations to these men after she read their names. Little Women received a Best Picture nomination, but it must have come together all on its own because Greta Gerwig's (laughs) name was nowhere to be seen. So none of this is likely to curb criticisms of the Oscars' lack of diversity, which seems to happen every year because the Academy just can't seem to fix its own mostly white, mostly male focus, routinely skipping over excellent movies and performances from people of color. There was one single person of color nominated for an acting award Cynthia Erivo for Harriet. One bright spot, Parasite. Bong Joon-ho became the second Asian director in Oscar history to get a nomination for Best Director. Parasite was not only nominated for Best Movie, it was also the first South Korean movie to ever get nominated for Best Foreign Film. That's the sort of richly deserved recognition the Academy should be focusing on more in the future. Okay. Carlos I did not see your Twitter takes on the uh, on the Oscar nomination and I don't know how much of a film head you are but but I but I'm well, curious to hear I, now my,
0: my my observation was y- y- you were live tweeting from the Golden Globes the <laughs> other night yes. and oh so God. I'm God. like all right if if Carlos is live <laughs> tweeting the Globes okay this isn't just a globe <laughs> watcher this is someone who's weighing in live with oh. takes yeah, the, yeah, so you're, yeah, the, yeah. you're an award show. you you're an award show guy. I'm
1: an award show
0: tweeter, guys. It's what okay. I do. All right, yeah. So I. Am. Love it. I
1: love so I. Uh, yeah, I, I do yeah. a lot of it. Yeah, so yeah. give me give me your thoughts on the Oscar on this year's Oscar nominations.
2: Then, well, I mean, again, I've, like first of all, did nobody see J Lo? Like she was. How was she oh, not hustlers. nominated? Oh, how was, was she was not surprised. nominated? It, it's it's mind blowing to me. I and, was surprised. And, and, and you know, I I hear a lot, and it, here's the thing: like like I, I always hear on you know online or on the news or whatever that like the, the the voting the people that vote in the academy like they're a bunch of old white dudes and mm-hmm. like i i no. don't know actually if that's true because i've never seen like a picture of these guys so like i can i can just save and build this on what i've heard so if it's not true somebody just tweet me a picture of maybe what they look like but if it is true <laughs> then then we, we got that's where and, and again, I don't know how somebody becomes a voter or whatever, or in the, whatever in the Academy, whatever, but that's what we have to fix. Like, like the, the nominations are never going to get fixed, ever going to get fixed until like, well, uh, until the insides get, get fixed, you know? And so, um, yeah. I'm not surprised. I wasn't surprised in any way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think the machine's broken. So if, if the machine's broken, it's not going to, it's not going to output what we need. Mm-hmm.
1: It's not just going to yeah. automatically fix itself with, uh, yeah. because people on Twitter are mad last year or the year. Before. Right.
2: Yeah. It's yeah. like, oh, well you, you can be mad, but like the, the machine's still using these parts from 1942, mm-hmm. you know? So
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Well, I do want to talk about, t- you know, two of the big things was, you know, Joker getting so many nominations. And, uh, so I want you, I, I did you get a chance to see Joker, Carlos? I actually have not seen Joker. No. Okay. Well, how about this? What is, in your opinion, what is the best movie you saw in two thousand? That's what I want to know. That you feel like observes oh. like award recognition. These are these are the
1: Carlos Awards. The the first Daniel Carloses yeah. come
0: out this year. they are coming <laughs> out right. Means, the uh,
1: announcements are right now here on the Relevant Podcast.
2: Yep. I'm just I'm just upset that Frozen two. 2- just did not no, did not yeah. get was not i'm just kidding no i'm just, just no, I'm not kidding um, okay so the, the, the last snow. movie that kind of blew me away <laughs> is <laughs> frozen one was uh you know no honestly and i just saw this and i don't know if this actually was eligible for this year or if it'll be for next year but i just saw 1917 okay oh yeah and yes. was that yeah. up for this was that out of the loop or it's is that next the next picture
1: nominated yeah. best picture of this year, it is nominated this year. Yeah. it's got okay. it got a lot of nominations yeah. Yeah. i think it got eight or oh, nine okay. nominations
2: yeah okay yeah. okay it did it, i mean honestly like at the end of the day like i did not see a better movie last year than that movie yeah. like, like there, there was there, there were, i i am mind blo- my mind is blown how they pulled that thing off like it, it was the most beautiful thing i've seen in years you know and so um yeah that, that was kind of my 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 vote for best picture
0: Jesse, you reviewed 1917 over on the site. I did. I did. Oh. I, it's incredible. Like, it, it, and I what, what I found really powerful about it is like, you know, it, it is a movie about heroism and, and selflessness yeah. and courage, but it's also a movie about why war is terrible. And mm. it's just a gruesome and horrible, horrible thing. And like, you're constantly reminded of that it, it, each, you know, there, there's a moment in the movie where, you, you know, it really makes an effort to show what war can do to people and what mm-hmm. that, you know, the the spirit of war does to people. You know, there's a moment where an act of compassion, I don't want to give too much away, turns into like a really moment of tragic violence. And yeah, and you, you just realize, you know, war strips humanity. And I felt like that kind of underlying note throughout the movie was really powerful. I I definitely think it it should be one of the films that's considered uh, for best pictures. Definitely one of the best I saw this year. Tyler, I feel like you went out to interview Greta Gerwig about uh, uh, Little Women and after you went out to interview her and went to a screening of that, you said that was one of the best movies you saw this year, right?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I I don't know if I would put it at number one, but it would be in my top Three and it might be no, I haven't seen 1917 yet. So I don't want to, uh, I don't want to wait until I've seen all the yeah. options, but little women blew me away. It blew me away. Yeah. I, I loved it. And I, I think that it, it couldn't have happened without Greta Gerwig. There's nobody else who could have made that movie sing the way she mm. did. It. And she wrote it. She did the adaptation and she directed it as well. Uh, and I, I really, really. Love that one. And I, I loved a lot. I mean, I, none of, I'm not arguing that any of these movies is bad other than maybe Joker. I, I really did not think was a very good movie, um, uh, but I, but I, I loved yeah. everything that was nominated. I'm not saying that I'm not arguing that there's like a lot of undeserving things. I thought Parasite was really excellent. I, yeah. I've, I've liked. Uh, yeah, it was a great year for movies. It was a great year for movies. And understandably, yeah. you can't award them all. Some things are going to get left yeah. out. That's just the nature of it. But when it's so consistently the women and the people of color who are left out after a while, you have to use, this isn't a coincidence every single year, you know, was was a marriage story
2: nominated at all? Yeah. Best picture. It was. Best mm-hmm. picture. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, I, I, I didn't see the nomination. So that was probably a, another, I'm uh, probably the other movie that I saw this year that like, I don't know if it was, I don't know which way it moved me, but it definitely moved me. Like, like I oh, was it's like tough to watch. It's a it's a I hard was, it was a hard one oh to watch. Oh my gosh. It, I was, it was like I was acting in that was incredible. I, I was I, I was definitely like so uncomfortable the entire time I was watching it. Mm-hmm. Um and uh uh and, and you know maybe that was the goal, but and if that was the goal, then you know it was an incredible movie. So that was that was probably the other one that I saw out of the nominated movies.
1: That was a, uh, the, and they were both nominated. Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson were both nominated for okay. Best Actor for their performances there. All right. Coming to number two this week, uh, another p- upcoming movie news. The McMillions trailer promises a documentary about a heist unlike any other. Oh, Jesse and I are excited for this one. We, we had yes, to tell everybody yes, about very. it. All right. You might remember or you might not uh, back in t- 2018 when a uh, long form Daily Beast feature about an amazingly bizarre scandal involving those McDonald's Monopoly game tickets went viral. Now, the less you know about that story, the better. But it's a true crime story. It's full of crazy twists and fascinating characters with a real and really weird crime at its core. And now HBO is making a real life, sto- making the real life story into a docu-series. Here's a clip of the trailer that they put out this week.
0: This story has got everything. Revenge. Drugs. Greed. Ronald McDonald. Somebody went to the FBI and said, guess what's happening? The McDonald's Monopoly game was fixed. The Bureau thought it was just some BS story. Fast food fraud was not making any list of priorities. Are you kidding me? This is what makes my fun meter go.
1: All right, Carlos, you may not be familiar with this story. It's not like a super well-known, uh,
2: grift, but it is but one I of the... I am very familiar with Monopoly at McDonald's, so, exactly. like, I'm soul Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, oh yeah! If yeah. you if yeah, you play, just the premise alone Lord is fantastic. <laughs> if you played this game at any point, if you bought, if you peeled up these tickets and thought maybe this is gonna be, maybe this is my ticket, maybe this is how I get my Boardwalk and Park Place, then you then you were scammed by this one guy who pulled off really for a few years one, the, the heist of a lifetime. No, and it, it is yeah. uh, it is it's like Ocean's Eleven with a McDonald's filter on it. What did
2: he do? Like like he cheated? it
0: he he ended up so there there is a a long form uh story and, and this is what drew me to it because like the the original uh online uh, like magazine piece that that ran about this was so well written so many weird characters but yeah essentially a guy was able to steal the pieces from the factory and sell them on like a weird black market of people who wanted to win prizes from the McDonald's Monopoly game. It got so out of control, the FBI ended up getting involved. But I feel like one of the real appeals for this story isn't just, because you're right, Carlos, everyone's played the McDonald's Monopoly game and be like, where the heck is Boardwalk? I got like (laughs) Uh, 10 park places I'm sitting on. I am one piece (laughs) away from a million (laughs) dollars. And the reason no one was getting those pieces, because one guy was hoarding them and selling them. But the, you know I, I, yeah are you shocked and, and offended by this person's actions this well, is no, crime. the
2: only i'm I'm so angry and the only reason why I'm calling my friend David Slade the second I get off the phone with you guys in 1998 and I don't know when this documentary is set but my friend David Slade and I drove from Atlanta Georgia just we were a little acoustic guitar duo straight out of college and we decided to drive to California and back in my Honda Accord and we said we're gonna eat McDonald's breakfast, oh, no. lunch, and dinner, and play Monopoly oh, every single day on this entire for so for twenty days. I ate oh, McDonald's, oh, no. praying that I would get oh, no, it. And no. You're telling me right now that that the only <laughs> thing that didn't happen is because of this this shady. I didn't even stand a freaking chance. I the one thing we won a Game Boy. Oh, that was that was like our, the, cool. the greatest Monopoly score beat of the, the thing. We, we ended up winning the Game Boy. Oh, but yeah, I beat the system, but I'm I'm so upset that that uh, it was. It was rigged.
1: And moreover, and I don't want to give away too much of this story, but uh, but this guy also was was kind of a, a Robin Hood with some of these cuz occasionally he would take the winnings and give them to like a like a nonprofit or a charity or something like that. He I mean there was also his buddies and he would also sell them on the black market for he wasn't he wasn't entirely oh, altruistic wow. in his motives, but he would occasionally yeah. like a, like an orphanage or something would get a random check out of nowhere.
0: And the the other fascinating thing about this is the the the, the weird character that American greed and criminal impulse brings together, right? I mean, because a lot of these people were, right. you know, the FBI was so shocked was because they're people who are otherwise wouldn't do this type of thing, except they were presented mm-hmm. with a weird opportunity yeah. to try to do something criminal. You know, there's another film on Netflix uh, sure. that's sort of in the, this same vein. It was based on, I think, the original article ran in Esquire and the, the Netflix film it's it's the same thing, it's like a, a true crime documentary, um, it's called The Legend of Cocaine Island and uh, you know there is some sort of salacious material in it but it also has it ends on an extremely redemptive note um, and it is really about okay. uh, people who make bad decisions uh, dealing with the consequences of those decisions and understanding you know what, what the power of second chances but also how easy it is for an average person who's living a decent life to make a really bad decision when presented with the opportunity. So in this in, in Legend of Cocaine mm-hmm. Island, you know, there's this guy in Florida who runs these businesses that supports his family. The recession hit, he hits him a hard time. And they're sort of like the 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 neighborhood sort of um uh, you know, kind of bohemian guy who comes to cookhouse and he tells, you know, all these stories about his wild past and he tells this guy this story about one time he's living on an island and a huge... A uh, bag of cocaine washed on shore. Like it was being trafficked. It fell off <laughs> yeah. a boat or something. It washed up on shore. And this guy's like, I didn't know what to do because the cops in that area were corrupt. I didn't want cops after me. I didn't want drug dealers after me. So I buried it. And so this businessman in Florida, when he falls on h- hard times, he's like, you know what? I'm going to fly to that island and find that buried stash and sell it and try to get my family out of this hole we're in. And it sets off this insane course of events. And you see how good people will do bad things yeah. when presented with the opportunity opportunity. Um, but I like the McMillian story because it's a similar thing. It's a crazy story, but it's also like these aren't hardened criminals doing this. Sure. These are decent people who, who you know, made bad decisions and those consequences. I think those are fascinating stories to this tell. This is McDonald's you know?
2: fault. This is mm-hmm. McDonald's fault. It's 100%. It's not the family. Like them, they yeah. Should yeah. have never put the pieces in front of us, guys. <laughs> it's too tempting. are <laughs> <laughs> out there? The yeah. bad people. <laughs> have you guys seen that, the, that Price is Right documentary, The Perfect Bid? No. Oh my oh, no. gosh. I'm not familiar is- it at all. It's, Never even heard of it. I, just, I saw it on a flight once. Like it was, it was on a, like the Delta uh, in-flight entertainment thing. But um, it's 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 along the same lines. There's nothing actually criminal that happened, but it's about a guy who kept win. He kept showing up at the prices Right, and he would win the showcase every single time. And so the producers started like freaking out, like, "What's he doing?" Well, come to find out, he's like a math whiz, and he memorized all of the prices of every single game on prices right he had this spreadsheet and he basically beat the game, and so they they wouldn't let him on anymore. But uh, it, it's actually fascinating too. It talks about a guy that kind of beat the system.
0: Pretty cool. Oh yeah, to check that out. Yeah. I love those types oh, of type guys. Right. Oh, I love a good. Yeah, I love yeah,
1: a you good grift. guys would love yeah. it. Give, oh, give me a, give me a good grift <laughs> any day. Oh, that's just, Oh, that's 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 the only drug I've I need. been scammed so many times <laughs> that I love these yeah. stories. <laughs> <laughs> <Now I didn't.
0: laughs>
1: oh. The only thing better than hatching a good grift. Uh, scammed by one, yeah. 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 He was, you know what? He really, got me. he really one, got one me. One more scam. <laughs> one more scam. Listen, and I don't know
2: if you guys saw this, but uh, somebody from Christianity today reached out to me last week for an article. But I, I got, oh, yeah. I got invited yeah, yeah. to speak at an event in London. That it, it took. I mean, they had me for about three or four emails. I was like, "This is awesome!" Like the Anglicans think Carlos would have something to say to them. This is amazing, and and, <laughs> and come to find out it was a scam. And the guy was, he, I, I didn't get to the point where Jonathan Merritt actually like, I think may have booked a ticket, a flight to, to like go to London, but there's some guy that got a hold of a bunch of Christian speakers contact in, in the States and all they wanted was money for our visa or for, for some sort of, you know, travel expense. And then they're like, we'll pay for your hotel. We'll pay for everything. And so a lot of my friends got the same email and it was my most, we, we, we got scammed guys. It's got. I saw
1: getting oh, passed on a lot. A lot of people. To, to the point where I was kind of upset that I wasn't one of them. Like how how unimportant am I? How low yeah, I mean, on I the totem pole am you. I that it's like, yeah. you're telling me I'm not even to get
2: invited to speak at fake conferences and <laughs> worthy of being scammed? Guys, you should have seen the fake the fake conference lineup. I mean, it would the green room would have been yeah. buzzing.
1: Yeah, it would have been, yeah, would oh, have oh, been man. buzzing. The Coachella Christian speaker. It would have been a big deal. It would have been really cool. No Tyler Huckabee on the lineup. Yeah. Um, he probably just knew that I would fake. He he knew I'd see through. It right away, right
0: away. Yeah, he knew. Yeah. He
1: knew better than to test old Sherlock Huckabee.
0: He, he was uh, wasn't going to listen. Test I it. don't have a good feeling about this. I'm going to send you the picture of my passport, my social security number, my mother's <laughs> name. <laughs> but I just want you to know something seems fishy about this. But just in case uh, not, let's get the process going oh, here. Man. Yeah, go ahead, steal my identity. It belongs to someone else. My identity's been stolen many times. I don't even know who legally possesses it right now so fine, take it
1: take it i i smell a scammer my oh. name isn't tyler joseph huckabee social security number four. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> Oh
1: man <laughs> okay last on the show last the, in the hot, long hot list this week we'll, we'll clip things out from here but this is a, this is a great story i liked it a lot uh, number one this week the reporter who made a huge jeremy lynn headline blunder found grace and a new job as a priest. Okay, this is a story of redemption. <laughs> yes. It's a little bit long. Well, we'll go there. So back in February of 2012, ESPN was looking at one story and one story only, the story of Jeremy Lin, the undrafted point guard who was the only Asian American in the NBA and for a brief moment became the star of the American sports world, landing on the cover of Sports Illustrated 2 weeks in a row as he led the New York Knicks to seven straight wins. At that time, recent college grad Anthony Federico had landed in a relatively thankless, but potentially upwardly mobile gig as a content editor for ESPN. As he told WBUR Boston, it was really cool. My job was to watch the night of sports unfold and kind of make editorial decisions in real time about what stories we're going to lead with, what angles we're going to promote. Near the peak of Lynn's sanity, During a game with the New Orleans Hornets, Lynn had an off night and the Knicks lost. Federico, scrambling for a late night headline about the loss, went with chink in the armor. Do you guys remember this story a little bit? Uh, It was a very, very big Obviously, uh, extremely uh, uh, problematic headline there. Um, yeah. Yeah. During the ensuing fallout, the headline was blasted for utilizing one of the most loathsome racial slurs in the English language. Federico apologized, calling it an awful editorial omission. He said it was a phrase he'd used many times before and simply failed to consider the way it would be interpreted in the context of Lynn. <laughs> He said, My name and address got leaked to the media, so the paparazzi started following me around. I got hate mail and death threats from all over the world, and a lot of late night talk show hosts were roasting me, and you know, my face was on a lot of newspapers. I was this big racist villain. It was brutal. Federico was fired from ESPN, and things got pretty bad for a few weeks until Lynn himself reached out and the two met for lunch in New York City. He said, quote, he told me that he didn't think the headline was racial and intent. And that was so huge to hear. Oh. I'm eternally grateful to him for his kindness. So we talked about the headline for a few minutes and then we walked and then we talked mostly about the world and our faith. That was the start of a journey that would result in Federico getting more serious about his own religious faith, attending mass with more regularity and taking an interest in theology. He realized there was a lack of priests in his area and one thing led to another. He applied to the Archdiocese of Hartford, Connecticut and was ordained to the priesthood in June. Now he says what he went through as ESPN has given him more grace for others. He said, I think a sense of sympathy for what people are going through and how everyone has a story that goes deeper than their worst moment or one thing they put out on the internet. And I have a sense of what it's like to be angry at God in this big way. And I can relate to them when they bring me their struggles and their hopes and their dreams and their fears. And I think that feeling of being abandoned by God was part of this whole process of preparing me for priesthood. So that was the, I think a really great, you ne- I'd never hear, you never hear what happens yeah. to these guys after they get canceled on the internet. And that was kind of an early example of internet canceling. Yeah. It was like the dawn of internet cancellation. And obviously. Um, it, 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 the the both in terms of what was said, however unintentional it does sound like it was unintentional. Obviously, was was truly awful. Yeah. But the story and and Jeremy Lin's response to it is is so moving. Gosh,
2: I, I live. I mean, I got a little choked up hearing that. Tyler, I'm, I'll be. That was yeah. that's beautiful. We don't ah that inter- That's like the opposite of the internet, right? Like, I mean, the, it is the opposite of anything that we're getting these days. And I actually did a, I actually recorded a whole podcast. Uh, maybe it was in, in October or September on the whole cancel culture thing, because it is just like anti-Christian. It really is like, like it is the opposite of everything we've been taught. And to, to hear something like that, um, it just gives me hope because that that's kind of what, mm-hmm. what I'm looking for. I'm, I'm, I am. And I guess maybe cause I've been canceled before. And, and if, 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 um, if, if, if what happened to me in 2011 would have happened in 2020, then honestly, like I would have no more career, but it's like, I I got, I got off scot-free because my marriage fell apart because of stupid decisions back in 2011 before cancel culture became something. And so that's why I'm so passionate about stuff like that. And when I hear stories like that, um, because we're, we're, we're destroying our own and I love what Jeremy Lynn did. And I love that the dude's a freaking priest now, like that is, Awesome! Yeah. That is beautiful, yeah. Yeah. man. That is beautiful. Yeah.
1: Which which may not have happened. Yeah, it's yeah. it's quite a story. And and I think that cancel. You know, people get canceled, and and of course there are consequences for bad decisions yeah. people say and do. And that's nobody's saying that that shouldn't happen. Absolutely. Obviously, we believe in consequences, but we also believe in in grace, and we believe that people need their jobs. You know, people uh, people have to work, and they need health insurance. And and yeah. uh, I think that the reality is we don't know the whole story a lot of times with these. Yeah. With what happens when people get canceled. So it's cool to see that the one person who really could offer this guy forgiveness and grace yeah. was Jeremy Lin, and he took the opportunity to do it, so and, and that speaks really highly of of him as uh, as a person. Yeah, yeah. Especially yeah. back then, very he was cool a busy story. guy back yeah. then. Yeah, yeah. Take the, yeah you know, he was doing the a lot of things. He could star in the world
0: at the time. Yeah, very cool. <laughs> and I would like to invite this. I would like to invite this priest to speak at an event I'm hosting. I will only need a small <laughs> cash deposit, uh, preferably paid in Bitcoin. In Bitcoin. <laughs> You're not Gonna believe the lineup <laughs> though. You're not gonna believe it. <laughs> I don't even know how Bitcoin works. Just crypto me some and we'll figure it out. <laughs> crypto- but we want you there. We want you there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is awesome.
1: Alright, well, that'll wrap it up for this week's it's
3: the hottest,
1: The hottest. It's Sicily. Uh coming up next, Elizabeth Melendez Fisher Good joins us.
3: Cause I'm a little-
1: Listening to Low by Junior Jr.
0: Tyler, the, I was one
1: time. I, <laughs> yeah, I know I, what you're gonna say.
0: Go ahead. <laughs> I will say this. They used to be called Dale Earnhardt Jr. Jr. And not Dale Earnhardt the third, I guess, but Dale Earnhardt Jr. Jr. And there's a much better name than Junior Jr. I still love their music. But man, they should have said Dale Earnhardt you You're off Jr. the train. I'm off the train. I'm off the track, as it were. You lost a key support. I'm off support. the speedway. <laughs>
1: Well, <laughs> okay. So Jesse, I I don't know if you're aware of this, but I do love cooking. I'm a bit of a I've got a, a bit of a chef, I suppose you'd say. Okay. Not, okay. Not, not in a professional sense, but in a home sense. I do. I like to find time to cook, but I don't always have time to do it. I don't always have time to get to the store. The podcast just has too many... There's too many needs for this podcast. <laughs> I, I don't always have a
0: spare hour to head down to the grocery store and get the things I want. So you're not like one of those, you know, guys on Chef's Table who's out there, you know, touring local farms to find, you know, the best cows <laughs> that produce annual Parmesan for your. You, you need someone else to bring the fresh ingredients to you. It, that's exactly
1: staying. right. Yeah, I wish okay. I could do
0: all that, but
1: like probably most of our listeners, that is just not something I really have time for in my in my schedule. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Personally, so that's why I was really pumped to try out Hello Fresh. They send everything I. I needed right to my door, so I didn't have to worry about finding that kind of time for the store or dealing with trying to find where in the store some of these ingredients are. Trying to figure out measurements, everything that comes in the box is already parsed out, ready to go, so I can just do the part I actually enjoy of cooking, which is actually the making of it, the the cooking part, the baking part, and then enjoy the healthy, delicious meal uh, all without have all
0: with the ingredients that were sent right to my front door. Uh, I got. Hold on, let, let, let me get this straight, Tyler. They're delivering all the ingredients and instructions right to your front door yep. and you've made a couple delicious meals that you're going to tell us about. Yet, I'm looking at my phone here and I don't have any dinner invitations to your house. So go ahead, make me hungry. Read what you made so far with well, these, fresh these were
1: these were so good, Jesse, that I couldn't bring myself to share them with you or to be honest with anybody. I did eat them all myself and I would do it all again in a heartbeat. Uh, for example, I got to make a Gouda burger with homemade fries. I have tried to make homemade fries myself in the past that has not gone well. Yeah. Uh, we don't need to get into that too much. But the <laughs> instructions that HelloFresh sent and the ingredients they sent couldn't have been easier. A child could have followed it and they were, they, they, I'd put them up against any other French fry here in town. Uh, I also made some cheesy beef tostadas. Probably my favorite thing that I had. Uh, that was extremely straightforward, simple recipe that came together and, and no time flat. And I loved it. There's also a great chicken pasta dish that, uh, that i eat again and uh, that I'd eat again for sure. Uh, I wish I had them all right now just i'm just, talk, I'm just uh, looking i'm remembering the experience of eating these as I'm talking about them and I'm jealous I'm, I'm
0: jealous of myself then and even though you decided to be a shameless glutton and not share knee with me <laughs> they would make the, the portions are for for several people like this would make a whole meal for 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 a family right yeah you can
1: you can you can choose uh the size of your family how many you want and then they do uh they'll, they'll accommodate that for you and so it just saves time you know you're not having to think about that and it's sustainable t- I'm not wasting tons of it. You know, when you make a recipe and it calls for like, for like a a vanilla bean or something like that, and you have to go spend $30 to get an, to get all of that. This way you're not having to worry about that because they take care of all the measurements ahead of time. I'm not wasting tons of food and ingredients for one special dish. And Jesse, if you're interested, and if any of our listeners are listeners, uh, any listeners are interested. Yeah, you should be. I know I'm interested. Relevant podcast listeners can get a special deal. You can get 10. 10 free meals along with free shipping with a purchase. All you have to do is use Relevant10, the code Relevant10, to get these 10 free meals along with shipping with HelloFresh. 10 free meals? That's right. That's the code Relevant1010 the number to get 10 free meals. I would encourage everyone to do it. I know I'm going to be doing it. And uh, I think once you try it out, you will not... Be disappointed. That's had, a really
0: good deal. It it's actually a really
1: good deal. I was I double checked <laughs> to make sure we, this wasn't a typo, but it is true. And if you're feeling especially gracious, you can even invite Jesse over. He may he may decide to go to go meet you at his house, but you'd be I a nicer person than I will. will.
0: Send me hit me up on Twitter, and <laughs> after <laughs> you relevant ten that. Uh, those deals. Let me know and I'll be there.
1: HelloFresh is now $5.66 per serving. Go to hellofresh.com slash relevant10 and use the code relevant10 during HelloFresh's New Year's sale for 10 free meals. That includes free shipping. Again, that is hellofresh.com slash relevant10, relevant10 and use the code relevant10 during HelloFresh's New Year's sale for 10 free meals, including free shipping. We are excited to talk to uh talk to our guest today, Elizabeth Melendez Fishergood, is the author of the new book Groomed, Overcoming the Messages That Shaped Our Past and Limit Our Future. She's the co founder of the organization Selah Freedom, one of the nation's leading anti sex trafficking groups. She also holds a masters in clinical psychology. She's an very accomplished woman. Jesse, you recently spoke with Elizabeth about the book and some of the spiritual principles she incorporates into her, her just vital work. What a uh, talking to these people is always such a, a gut check for me. Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure, especially in in this era where uh mm-hmm. you know, eh- Sexual abuse is, is is rightly in the headlines as as it becomes something that more and more people are being made aware of in the Me Too and Church Too era. And I wanted to start off by talking about Sailor Freedom, the organization, the anti-trafficking organization. Um, That she uh, has founded and it started because when she was talking to many young victims of sexual abuse she found similar patterns they often uh, oftentimes they end up on the street where they are preyed upon by Mm. you know these predators in the sex trafficking industry right here in America and to her that was really shocking and uh, you know was sort of the impetus for founding sale Mm. of freedom
4: the ones that run onto the street within 48 hours, 80% of them are approached by a predator who just lures them in and has to say, are you hungry? You need a place to stay. And they think, oh, my hero. And he will then turn and sell them 15 to 40 times a day for sex. And we have this over 300,000 of our own American kids in every zip code. And they're kids from every socioeconomic. And that's why I think the stories of my book, Groomed, You'll get educated about what's happening in America to our own kids, but then you're also awakened to what's happening to just all of us, what's being stolen that we're not even realizing.
0: So part of the idea for the book Groomed is looking at um, some of the commonalities that you know these survivors of abuse, some of the commonalities in their stories. And what she was able to do is look at their stories and also recognize co- patterns in our current culture. That enable this type of abuse to happen. And the book actually identifies five ways that these predators uh, are able to groom potential victims, but also ways that our culture grooms uh, this type of activity uh, so that these things can be identified and really dealt with in Uh, on multiple levels. And here's how she explained that.
4: With the girls that have been trafficked, all of them have had different stories, right? But they match my most affluent, affluent donors, their stories. And it just seems that as women, and I've had men, lots of men read my book, you know, when it's going through editing and writing endorsements, and I'm like, it should be for everybody, because it stirs up when we're little, and it's not always. It's not intentional. Usually, our parents are always doing the best they can. The people that are in our lives are doing the best they can. But everyone's coming from their own generational baggage, and it just seems these big five, you know, being groomed for appearances to be invisible. So many people say, I just never felt like anyone noticed I was there. Um, groomed to endure, which is my my biggest one for me. And then they're each. They're each so universal but individual and it just i don't know like i said the message came together like screamingly loud i'm like oh my gosh and right on the heels of the me too movement that it's it's not just that it's more and it's about people awakening to the parts of them that they've allowed to be silenced and so it's it's sort of a cool for the movement that's happening right now a, a healthy way to look at it
0: as the, the name of her organization suggests, Selah, um, you know, there's a large emphasis on faith and the Christian community in Elizabeth's work. Uh, you know, she's a she's very vocal about her faith. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's no surprise that one of the things that the tr- that the book looks at is uh, institutional issues in the church that have led to abuse and not only have led to abuse, but have really led to a pattern of silencing victims. And mm-hmm. we're seeing that right now in a lot of these church two stories. You know, we we've I think that was one yeah, of the major yeah, yeah. threads mm-hmm. in the SBC. Uh, um, revelations of these hundreds of accusations of sexual abuse, but it was not just abuse; it's 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 cover-ups. And so, I wanted to talk a little bit about the about uh, how she wanted to approach these institutional issues that lead to so much abuse and how this can be prevented.
4: People spend so much time on the symptoms, and if you could just go to the root, the symptoms all fall off. Like for me, with my own issues when I finally got the healing at the level and got down to the secrets and the deepest places, when I was able to acknowledge my grief, like there was so much that sometimes you're not allowed as a child to have the reactions and the grief and the need and the expression of so many things. And then they form us and then it ripens you for the next situation. Almost like groomed ripe for the picking, you know, the me too movement, the church movement, it's, it's kids that we were raised with, Almost all of these that we were silenced or, you know, the judgment chapter is very much about the church and very much about the messages that, you know, we wanted to be the good church girl or boy. And so, of course, we wouldn't say what we were longing to say.
0: Obviously, a book like this is extremely timely uh you know we are you know there's the Harvey Weinstein trial happening right now you know that was one of the big the first big me too cases the church too movement is happening and more and more leaders in the church and, uh, is, are being exposed uh for uh, you know preying on congregants and and uh, you know their abuse is being exposed and you know i felt like obviously, it's a it's a very good time for a book like this to be released so that people can understand these issues uh, more. But I also wanted to, you know, get her perspective because she's been doing this work for a long time of why oh, yeah. she thinks these movements are really having a moment right now, and that uh, survivors of abuse are feeling so empowered. And she had some interesting thoughts about that. That's here's what she said.
4: When I started in this in this space, I felt like, God's had it like he's had it like he's so passionate for his children and he's so about being a voice for the voiceless and all of these things have stolen our voice and what I do know is that when your voice is stolen when you're young when your ability to to be what you know in your heart and gut that you thought you're supposed to be and when it gets crushed and silenced a bit or told it doesn't matter that much or just you know hold off on that or no you're fine suck it up. It deadens what our destiny is really, truly called to be, and I think all of a sudden, with all of the little pieces of, you know, the we're starting to talk about what happened to us. That it's it's like this tsunami. I always say I feel like I'm championing a tsunami with this because people are starving to have real conversations, and everybody is ready to be restored. I think we've lived in this this silence, almost like it was, even though we thought we were so much better than our parents' generation. We we still weren't truly, truly naming it all the way. And I don't feel like it's it's the straight up, oh, blame and, you know, let's accuse this person today because of what happened to me 20, 30 years ago. But rather, let's talk about what happened 20, 30 years ago, not to throw. It's not about blame, but rather I'm done with only having part of me show up. Like it's time for all of us to show up. And I think the empowerment that comes from that and watching the, the, the most, you know, like when we have a, a survivor that gets to go make her impact statement in court and face her abuser, what that does for women that are volunteers that are sitting in the courtroom that think, I've never spoken up for myself that way. So it's just, I think it's just this movement of not to bash or come down on, you know, the other sex or, met or, or any of that, but rather to reclaim what we've sort of allowed and didn't even realize was stolen. And it's such a, it, just it's it's a season of everybody is ready for more and the doors are opening for more and i think god is like go 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 because i need everybody fully equipped their full identity because there's so much we need to do at these times
0: yeah so obviously it was awesome to talk to elizabeth melendez fisher good you can check out her book groomed overcoming the messages that shaped our past and limit our future and check out the great work that the Sale of freedom foundation is doing It, it it was it was fantastic to talk to her
1: Yeah, and thanks a lot to her for taking time to talk to us as well. She's she's a busy woman, and the work is really urgent. And uh, I really hope that you will 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 make it worth your time. Check out check out the stuff that she's doing. Uh, We're gonna take a quick break when we come back. The brilliance joins us. to Facebook by the brilliance kind of a flex there to name a song Facebook. That's it's right. Like, that, well, you, have to, you have to really want to listen to the song because because the title won't try it <laughs> Well, hey, do the intro and
0: I'll give you some background on that.
1: <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Let's do that. Okay. So, The Brilliance. Uh, they just released the second installment of suites of music that tackle big ideas around global issues and spiritual concepts. After first taking on the topic of immigration in the Dreamer suite, the duo has released a second suite called The World Keeps Spinning. That looks at anxiety and fear. Uh, Jesse, you recently spoke with David Gunger about the new songs and the big ideas that inspired them, and the suites project itself.
0: And apparently, you talked a little bit about the the, the title "Facebook" as well, right? Well, yeah, I mean, the, it's it's the concepts behind these suites are are really deep and profound. And and uh, as you're going to hear in this kind of new music preview uh, coming up, uh, you know, David will really kind of explore sort of the psychology behind them. Uh, but part of it. you know for the world keeps spinning is looking at not just personal anxiety you know he experienced uh, real anxiety and a panic attack that led him to kind of re-examine anxiety on a personal level but also cultural anxiety of what it's like uh, to live in an era that on the surface things look pretty good but there are all these existential threats and we're constantly reminded of them on places like Facebook where we're also Mm -hmm. trying to parse out truth and what that does to our sense of security it's a really deep album but one that is profoundly hopeful and i was really excited to talk to david about it and i'm excited that uh people are going to get to hear a few clips from songs and part of the uh inspirations for them here is uh david gunger and the new music preview for world Keep spinning
3: the first suite was the idea of these suites john and i grew up together playing music and when we first started our band and it, it, it shouldn't the band. It just was an idea of doing a project around sacred music at first, which means like the idea around um, kind of spiritual music around kind of big themes. And eventually, just through life, I mean, we started that when I was like young 20s. I was married. John was in college down in Austin, Texas. And uh, I think when we first started, John would probably identify as an atheist. And I was a, like a young youth pastor but we started creating music together and it morphed over the years and evolved. And by the time we were heading into our thirties, we, we kind of said, okay, well, what do we want to do? Should we stop doing this? We, we had this friendship that would kind of last still throughout you know, our lives. It doesn't matter if we're in a band or not, but we really thought we want to tell people stories. And so the kind of, of trajectory of it that we called it was, we said, we want to make music that inspires empathy. Turn to dirt, Am I walking alone? So while we were writing this, you know, you have the existential threat of things like climate change as well as war, as well as, you know, all different types of things in society where you have these existential threats and then as well as we are on one end more privileged and more you know as a society and as a group of people that's ever lived in human history like we are super blessed and super fortunate and lived a really easy time and yet in that time of human history so many of us deal with um, depression and anxiety and feeling loneliness within the idea of modern technology. So we really dive into themes of like social media and technology and what that does to us. So the second uh, suite is actually by far our most ambitious large piece of music. So the the entire suite starts off with an overture, which means it's a a big theme from an orchestra that it starts off, and it's an actually it's a, a theme by Bach, and it starts that way. And the very end of the record actually ends with the same piece of music, just kind of reimagined. But the idea of it is, you have this song that starts off with this overture that is human history. And then you'll hear John sings the first song, and he talks about there's this pain in my chest. I can't give it back, I can't give it back till I don't exist, till there's nothing left. That being alive itself, like being aware of it, is you're gonna have this this pain, this anxiety. And then there's a choir that sings back at him. No one ever said it was easy. And the choir is supposed to represent like humanity singing back at this individual and the first song is called release me. And it's kind of this, this plea of, I am at the end of my rope. So you're starting off on this, this character, having a panic attack and then it goes through why. And for me, the next song is, and I won't do this song by song, but just big ideas is it does through existential things. So a song called, how do we know, which really does this thing of like, what is truth? especially within the mode of like so on religion you start off with this thing of like what is the revelation of like how do you know that this is real but then also in our modern context like we get things like fake news and we get things like these things where we're like well how do we know that that's actually true how do we know that that's real how do we you know ever in 2019 it, it kind of took me uh, a long time where I, d- I didn't ever part of this is just being a I feel like um, stereotypical like dad and man role in your mind of whatever you know society I grew up in little tribe of being like okay this is how you act as a father and how you do this and I had a lot of anxiety and depression that I didn't want to face because I felt like as my role. I, could, I couldn't even really know how to address it. And then finally I had had some panic attacks. And one of them was coming off of an airplane where I'm picking up my butt and my baggage and I'm just like starting to weep at the baggage claim. I'm like, I don't know why I'm crying right now. And then realizing like I'm having a panic attack. And so my wife really encouraged me like, hey, you need, you need to go and see someone and i did and i got on medication for the first time for some anxiety stuff and through that entire process kind of writing this music it, br- it brought things into a much clearer picture of like okay this is we need to address and talk about mental health and so this second project is like i said it's it's um it's kind of a wide array of things but the theme of it is called the world keeps spinning and it's around the idea of anxiety.
1: That was David Gunger with the Brilliance. Uh, you can check check out that new world keeps spinning. Sweet wherever you listen to music. All right. Well, I think that is going to wrap it up for us this week, Carlos. Man, this was really fun. That's want, I hope this got. I hope this got you loose. I hope
2: this got you a little bit loose for the <laughs> for your big event. It, it, got, it got me loose for the economic developers. But not too loose. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's what they want, <laughs> Carlos. I want to give people a little behind the scenes. We obviously we we it's a long show today, but you and I were talking beforehand. You had listened to the Corey Asbury episode uh, before yes. we we uh, you know uh, that we recorded earlier this week. And, uh, we need to have you back on in a couple weeks, uh, uh, because you have a hot mic story. We're going to ask listeners to send their favorite uh, uh, hot mic story of, of a speaker yes. or uh, or a church where, where something was said that was called on microphone. You have a great story. I'm going to tease it out so we can have you back on in a couple of weeks uh, uh, to hear this story. That's a tease. That's a tease for okay. listeners. But it's an excuse yeah. to, to force you to come back. And if you I, come I, back, I, I also I'm want in. to invite you to... To a to a conference I'm hosting, and the email is going out to some <laughs> colleagues today about the sensitive paperwork I'll need uh, faxed
2: over my way. So just prep the birth certificate. Make sure the an email <laughs> you use the year of the Lord about three times. Like if you could say that, then then it's going to be really convincing. <laughs> That's, very That's, that <laughs> That's how yeah. you know
1: it's real. So <laughs> the ring of truth. That's how they. they can tell it. it's a bonafide. It's a bonafide email. Yeah. Um, if you if you've liked listening to Carlos today, then you'll want to read his book. You can pre order enter wild now. Also, we want to thank Elizabeth Melendez Fisher-Good for joining us, talking about her very important work. Groomed is available in stores. I hope you all pick it up. And hey, thanks to the brilliance too. Check out World Keeps Spinning wherever you listen to music. It's another great album from them. And uh, hey, if we can plug our own plug our own podcast. You already listened to this one. Why not listen to the relevant daily too? Hey, That's hey. mine that I do every single weekday. I uh, give you the top three stories at the intersection of faith and culture Monday through Friday, along with Jesse. We, uh, we bring those to you. Uh, it's a, it's a, uh, we're pretty proud of it. It's a solid podcast. It's only 10 yeah. minutes to keep you up to date. Check it out. Uh, and with that, I think we'll wrap it up. I'm Tyler Huckabee. I'm Jay I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Carlos Whitaker. <laughs> and have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you next time.
0: Business, finances, bearer bonds. Anyone knows what these words mean? No, seriously, I need some help up here. We're going to do a little Q and A where I ask you the questions. Relevant
4: podcast network.